The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Now to try to bring you up to speed on all that has emerged in relation to the RTE payments scandal today. Some of it has emerged outside of the Oireachtas Media Committee, some of it from within the Oireachtas Media Committee. To get to the former first, we were told by RTE that Ryan Tuberty was now out of contract with RTE because it was their contention that when he stepped down from host of The Late Late Show, that that sundered his previous contract, which was a contract both for The Late Late Show and for the radio show, and that by ending The Late Late, that contract then was ended. And as far as RTE was concerned, they were in a negotiation with Ryan about a new contract to cover just the radio. But as a function of a broad policy decision when this investigation happened, all new contract negotiations have been suspended, which means, according to, according to RTE, Ryan Tuberty is now out of contract with RTE. Ryan Tuberty, according to the Irish Times, who is reporting sources close to him, disagrees with that interpretation and, according to sources, is of the belief that his contract, and again, this is the Irish Times reporting um, sources close to Ryan Tuberty, is of the belief that his contract only related to the late late on the TV element and therefore that's the only element of it that stopped. His his radio contract continues and therefore he is under contract to the broadcaster. This was put to RTE at the Oireachtas Media Committee and RTE confirmed their view. They said, no, it is our view that, or, that Ryan Tuberty is now out of contract. While we're on the topic of late, late show contracts, the other thing that emerged from the media committee was they were asked about various different contractual arrangements. And one of the questions was, what of Patrick Keelty's contract? Because there is, of course, the question, is it now net more expensive to pay for 9 to 10 a.m. on the radio on RT1 plus the Late Late Show? Now, the two different individuals are responsible for that output, and the only way to know that is to know what Ryan Tuberty is getting paid, was getting paid for the radio show, and know what Patrick Keelty is getting paid for the Late Late Show. What RTE have said is they are happy to publish details of, RT, of what RTE is paying to Patrick Keelty to host the Late Late if Patrick Keelty gives them permission to so do. So one imagines Patrick Keelty's welcome to being host of the Late Late is now going to be his phone melting with calls of people asking him to give permission for RTE to declare what deal they've done with Patrick Keelty. Meanwhile, we discover more interactions or more details of the interactions between the chairman of the RTE board, Shuni Rahlig, and the now-resigned Director General, D. Forbes, because our original understanding, as given to us on the 6-1 News by Shuni Rahlig, was that D. Forbes was on holidays. Then we discovered that D. Forbes was suspended. Then D. Forbes announced that she had resigned. It turns out, according to evidence given by the chairman of the board or the chairperson of the board, depending on which terminology you wish to use, um, Shuni Ratlik, that she asked the director general to resign two weeks ago and that that then led to a disciplinary procedure and that at some point during that disciplinary procedure, the director general removed herself from her post. That led to accusations at the committee today that the Director General's resignation had been requested. Now, these are uh, allegations made by some of the deputies that the the, um, resignation had been requested so that D. Forbes would not have to appear at the committee and be accountable. Now, Ms. Forbes has made clear that her reason for not attending the committee is not that she is no longer Director General, but rather she is not in good enough health to attend the committee. 
The committee was attended by a number of senior RTE executives, including Adrian Lynch, who is the interim deputy director general, the commercial director of RTE, the chairman of the board, uh, director of strategy, a number of other individuals. And among the testimony that they provided was who knew what about the deal. And what they established was that the director of content, Jim Jennings, as was in the RT statement, knew that there was a side deal, this so-called tripartite deal. But the we also discovered that he was aware that Noel Kelly, Ryan Tuberty's agent, was pushing, I think was the word that was used, but at least was insistent about a guarantee of that deal. So that if the deal uh, didn't work, this was the deal where Renault would effectively be paying, although Orti would be credit noting them back, but that the money, the €75,000 would be coming from Renault rather than direct from RTE. What Noel Kelly was pushing for was that if that failed and Renault backed out of the deal, that RTE would be on the hook. Adrian Lynch the uh, as the interim deputy director general was very clear in asserting that he was aware that such a deal existed however he wasn't aware that RTE was on the hook to underwrite it which he saw as being a significant I'm, I'm inferring this but he repeated it a, a lot of times he saw as a significant thing however it doesn't go to the heart of the matter which is the heart of the matter is that this deal occurred in the first place and that a deal was constructed whereby Noel Kelly management would uh, issue invoices direct to RTE for the lion's share of Ryan Tuberty's payments but that then a separate set of anonymised invoices would travel through a UK company into a second Noel Kelly company that called CMS Marketing with no names and that they would be listed as consultancy services within RTE and that Renault would be credit noted, as we all know, in exchange for the monies. That's where we have gotten to so far with a lot of the evidence. I'm joined by Dr. Fanola Doyle O'Neill, who is a broadcast and legal historian at the School of History, UCC, and a former member of the Future of Media Commission. At the end of all of this, Fanola, is RTE's position, as has broadly been set out up to this point, that culpability in large part lay with the Director General. Is that still tenable? Um, not at all, really. I, mean, I think there's a, a strong sense, by the way, your explanation there sounded like paper one math paper that they were giving out about and the leaving cert is so complicated and so so difficult to make out. Um, so essentially, it appears that, um, according to one independent TD today, that Dee Forbes had no allies, that she seemed to be working on her own and using this place as her own personal fiefdom, of course, which cannot be the case at all. And what struck me quite forcibly is that... Um, you know, according to a lot of the people on the committee today, including head of the audit committee and the financial controller, um, they appeared to be going through their accountancy firms like tissues. You know, they literally had four or five accountancy firms on their on their list. So there's an awful lot of people. It's not the small coterie, and it's certainly not alone. Um, D Forbes. Now, having said that, um, there is no power without responsibility, and obviously, she the, the box stops with her. So I think what is probably disquieting, because I'm a huge advocate for public service broadcasting, one of Shun Niralik's final statements in today's committee meeting was the importance to democracy of public service broadcasting. So this is really much more than a backroom deal. This is really about the sanctity uh, and the trust we can put in RT. Um, And without sounding, you know, too historical, you must remember, um, Anton, that we struggled hard, just like with our sovereignty in Ireland, we struggled hard to get an independent television station 
uh, a, a man that's very, very famous, um, well, not famous, but a man that should go down in, in the annals of history is a man called Lon O'Brien, who used to be with the civil servant with the Department of the Taoiseach. He battled long and hard to fend off the Vatican, Guilin, the you know people from America, media magnets from America, so that we were getting independent television stations. And now we've come full circle because it looks as if the commercial arm of RT has begun to dominate. And therein lies the rub. That's what we're talking about here. We're talking about you know, a talent agency that comes in and negotiates the top salaries of RT staff. We're talking about, you know, this is an organisation that is rotting from the top up. So I didn't at all agree with some of the words they were using today about systemic. It's not systemic at all. It's from the top. And I think really that the lack of governance, you know, all of this, I don't want to be rehearsing all of this because people would be, would be absolutely bored with it. But what is essential really is that there are a number of things that are really, really important. One of the issues today was that it was a good way for, you know, to ventilate all that is wrong, all the grievances of RT. There has been a lot wrong for a long time. And most notably, the, the huge lacoon between those who are paying, you know, being paid an exorbitant amount, as mentioned today, beyond the amount that the Taoiseach of the country has been paid, and then also of the ordinary um, worker, the ordinary journalist. Um, Rory Coveney's uh, comment, uh, regard, you know, he's the strategic um, strategist in, in, in RT. Director of strategy. Um, yeah, he talked about, you know, Kevin Backhurst, that this is his second revisit to RT, the first time he'd come in and sort of clean up the news uh, service to make sure that it was fit for purpose. Um, again, I don't want to rehearse that particular episode, but there was certain, um, you know, that some of the reportage was not, um, shouldn't have been. Has there was an egregious was, libel. Exactly, absolutely. So he's he, so basically, uh, Backhurst is back again, and uh, you know is going to seemingly sweep out the place and and you know change. Um, but can I go back to the heart of this, um, Fanola? Because at at the centre of this is a thing that I still and I think a lot of people when I talk to um, colleagues that everybody is struggling to get their head around. If and obviously you shouldn't, but if you park the moral issues here and if you park the ethical issues here you're still left with a group of people who have structured a deal where surely somebody must have thought, if this gets into the public domain, which it almost certainly will, we are creating the world's largest petard on which to hoist the lot of ourselves. Exactly. But you see, this is the whole point. I was on the um, the Media Commission and had raised a few times regarding um, salaries. And so fortunately... Um, in the report, uh, we have a response that we should be benchmarking the salaries across the other sort of uh, stakeholders in Europe. Are, are people being paid the same amount in RT as being paid in other public service? That's, that was one of the important things that emerged, right? The second thing that emerged today from is, is like, for example, is the deal with Patrick Hilty and the late late going to be compromised, right? Um, and that's going to be very important as well because they, they will have to divulge that deal. But that could jeopardise then. That will be up to, they're saying, Patrick Hilty giving his um, affirmation and confirmation. Well, just to update you on that, Fernanda, because, um, or Fernanda, my apologies, the latest reporting from the Irish Independent Mm. suggests that Patrick Hilty has given his imprimatur for the deal to be made public. So it would suggest that it's only going to be a matter of, I would imagine, a few hours or so before we know what Patrick Hilty's deal is with all the commercial I'm delighted to hear that that because my first thought was if there was any impasse on that, um, I would be a great advocate for the Late Late Show as well. Um, and I think it's important that we have our own cultural forum. So that w- I wouldn't have liked to have seen that being put in jeopardy. But unfortunately now, the, the revelations that are going to emerge 
But you see, I do understand that they have, well, I don't understand, I, I, they have been hiding behind this privilege of um, sensitive you know, commercial information. But what has happened all the time is that the commercial information has sort of, in a way, transformed the way they do business in RT. And essentially, it is, has done a tremendous job during the pandemic. It's, it's an agency that we can trust. Reuters always talks about RT as being, um, you know, hugely sort of a, a great template for a European um, television station and radio station. Um, and that would be my, my biggest worry, that I don't think an awful lot of, of thought was gone into the way they dealt with um, the so-called talent in RT. I don't think there was any great fear that they were going to flee across the water to work in the BBC and in America. By God, um, they fairly paid them as if they had such a exactly. fear. We will have to return to this, um, Fanula, and I appreciate your time. Uh, we are hoping later on to have the chair of the committee, so we will be returning to the matters before the committee today. That was Dr. Fanola Doyle O'Neill, who is broadcast and legal historian at the School of History in UCC. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.